Welcome back to the Psycho Kitty podcast with yours truly, Psycho Kitty. I've sitting across from Maxine Holloway, someone I've known for a few years now and has been an amazing advocate for a lot of various things. And it's the reason why I invited her on because there's this little uh, street fair coming up, the Folsom Street Fair. Yeah. But about 400,000 people showing up in a four block period of space. Maxine, tell me, what, what's the one of one of your biggest gripes that got you on your uh, soapbox for <laughs> with this campaign? Well, well, thank you so much for inviting me on your podcast to talk about this. Um, so I love the Folsom Street Fair. I've gone almost every single year for the past nine years. It's got, got, that's about the same for me. I got to town about 10 years ago. Yeah. Um, it's one of my favorite um, community events. It's one of my favorite ways to celebrate um, BDSM and being kinky. I love the outfits. Um, the people watching is beautiful. People watching is beautiful. Yeah. Um, so it's something that I definitely look forward to every year. Um, I sometimes refer to it as kinky Christmas. Right. <laughs> um, but something that's happened every year, um, and I feel like it's kind of escalated in the past few years as the fair has grown larger, and and I don't feel like I'm in, alone in this um, complaint. It's something that I've talked to a lot of different people about um, over the past couple of years is the amount of non-consensual behavior that happens, whether that is having your photograph taken without permission, um, being touched, groped, um, people coming up and even just like putting their arm around your shoulder and really like intensely interacting with you unsolicited or uninvited. Um, you decided to do something about it. I did. Yeah. Um, I started this after last, um, two years ago, I had actually a kind of more intense experience where, um, people were grabbing me a little bit more than usual, actually a lot of bit more than usual. And, um, I ended up going from having like a really great time at Folsom to feeling pretty violated and unsafe. Um, and if you, you know, talking about this is like, you know, not quite religious, but your big high festival of the year and to feel violated. Yeah. At, this is your space. It was really my, disappointing. My space too. I mean, you know, I Absolutely. Wanna... Yeah. It's, it's our space and I want everyone to feel safe in it. Um, so rather than boycotting the fair, that wasn't something that I really wanted to do. Um, I decided to do something about that. And I started this campaign um, simply named Ask First. And this campaign consists of stickers and temporary tattoos that I fundraised for last year to get 2,000 stickers and 600 temporary tattoos um, printed. And I recruited a team of amazing volunteers. And we hit the Folsom streets and we're passing stickers out, putting temporary tattoos on people, having you know kind of small conversations about the importance of asking first and consent. And it was so well received. First of all, I received a lot of wonderful community support from um, like Wicked, Wicked Grounds and the yeah. Center for Sex and Culture and the Horrorcast and lots of different community members who either hosted stickers at their booth or donated to the campaign last year. Um, so that was wonderful. But just interacting with um, complete strangers at the fair, people were thrilled. They were like, oh, thank you so much. I, I, I really am having the same kind of feelings. Like I feel like people are not asking permission while they're touching me or taking my picture. Um, Thank you so much. So just the amount of like gratitude and how well that was re received felt really good. Um, and it was, it was a, it, I, 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 I used it as a tool and I saw other people using it as a tool in order to like negotiate and or remind people when someone would just come up and start snapping pictures. It's like you take your sticker out and you're like, hey, hey, see this? Wave the sticker in the face of the photographer. Ask first. Um, 
So uh, this year, I, I really wanted to take the campaign to the next level. Mm-hmm. So I um, schemed and coordinated with the Folsom um, the Folsom Street events team, and they were kind well, of fabulous. Uh, I've been working with them as well, and for yeah. various years, and great. I mean, the amount of you just take a step back and realize the amount of chaos and madness that they have to rein in for all these people descending on these few blocks. Yeah, it's intense. It's a huge endeavor. Um, I've been on you know many sides of that I, as a guest of the Folsom Street Fair, and I volunteered for a few years, um, working the gates and whatnot. So I've been to like some of the behind the scenes meetings and the magic that they pull off is amazing. So big hats off to them. Mm-hmm. And I've been working with Casey. Um, yes. And, and he's just been answering all my questions and it's been wonderful. But so, yeah, they donated an entire booth to promoting consent at the fair. Oh, that is, I didn't, is, that's awesome. Yeah. I didn't realize that there was a donated booth. I thought you'd, you'd fundraised for the booth. Yeah, no, that's the one thing that was donated, which is amazing. Um, and I'm really glad that they were on board and kind of, I think sometimes there can be a reluctance in the kink community to acknowledge when non-consensual behavior um, is going on. And so I feel like I've been hearing people talk a lot more about it and even saying things like, I don't want to go to the fair this year. It doesn't sound fun to me. Mm-hmm. And these are people that are like, well, seasoned members of our BDSM and kink community. Um, so these are people that are well-seasoned members of our BDSM and kink community, and if they don't want to go because... They don't feel comfortable. They feel comfortable. Not- you know, I mean, I know this is an event that a lot of tourists and people that are very curious attend as well, but um, I think it's important to remind... Yeah, there is there is definitely like a sense that once you bring in a certain level of mass public, that they just don't have the... They don't have the same kind of understanding and like to them, it's oh, kid in the candy store and not the respect of, you know, sharing, sharing a vulnerability. You know? They don't see it as a vulnerability. You know, like, oh, this person is putting themselves out there and they're getting to express themselves. Instead, it's, oh, candy, 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 candy. Yes. I think there's a common misconception that arriving at any type of kinky event that it's a free for all. And that's not the case. Um, so whether, yeah, whether it's someone that's more of a, a newer guest or someone that has, you know, been involved in the BDSM and kink community for a long period of time, um, this very simplistic idea of asking first, I think, can go a long way. Yeah. So, yeah, we're, we're making it bigger and better. I have an entire booth dedicated to consent. Do you know uh, where in the fair your booth is going to be this year? Um, I don't find out until a week before... Mm-hmm. Um, the fair. So well, in, in about a week from now, I will know. Well, I hope you're close to us. Yes, I hope so but, too. That would be fun. But or if, if you, not, you can always uh, use us as well to as another distribution point. Yeah. Um, we're going to be right at eight at the end of Eighth Street. With there's going to be the Kink.com booth and performancey space, mm-hmm. Wicked Grounds and Kink B and B. I was all, kind of like one big long three tent space. Oh, wonderful. Well. Um, Folsom seems to be really on board with this mm-hmm. campaign, so I was promised prime real estate. Oh, so nice. I hope oh, I'm close by. Maybe you'll get a corner. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I'm so I'm fundraising to make this bigger. I'm printing out ten thousand stickers this year and two thousand temporary tattoos. Um, so I should have ample stickers. So I would love to drop some yeah. off at your booth. Um, do you have uh? Like, I mean, there's going to be getting some banners printed or is it just going to be passing out stickers? 
Yeah. So that I have really big plans for this booth. Mm-hmm. Like I'm, just, I wasn't just gonna be like, oh, now we have an area, and I'm gonna pass out a couple stickers. Like right. I'm making this an epic event, and I think everyone at the fair is gonna be obsessed with that first booth and want to hang out there the whole day. Because I'm a, I'm having a giant ten foot by three mm-hmm. foot banner that's going to be up higher than the booth, like right. flapping in the wind. So you, if if you don't know where the booth is, just look up. You look for this giant yellow it, and black yeah, sign. It, 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 I should point out it's like the your icon is uh, a white. I mean, is a yellow, bright yellow strip, and we're talking like school bus yellow. Yeah, very with, noticeable. Uh, un, like to borrow from Douglas Adam, very friendly letters mm-hmm. that say "Ask first. Mm-hmm. And then it just has in very small letters our Tumblr where you, where you can go to find out more information about ask, ask First and see lots of pretty pictures of people adorned with the stickers and tattoos. Yeah, I know we have a bunch from last year. Yeah, I know there's a lot of great pictures from Wicked Grounds um, that made it on the Tumblr. <laughs> I like it. Um, so yeah, we have this epic flat Ask First flag that's, that's happening. Um, I'm stocking the booth full of lots of babes that know the importance of asking mm-hmm. first to be passing out these stickers and putting temporary tattoos on. I'm going to have an ask first photo booth. Um, and Caitlin Donahue is going to be the photographer. So we're setting up this photo thing because I want to take millions of pictures of everyone's gorgeous faces and their epic fetish wear while wearing ask first stickers, of course. And some local adult performers have volunteered to be in the photo booth so if someone would like a chance to get your photograph taken with the likes of Bella Rossi or Arabelle Raphael um now's your chance so then I also um have music I'm having the hunky Rob Fatal he's going to be the DJ um and I don't like to do things simply so I am also <laughs> having um four performances and these are going to be some really cool we don't have a stage, but these are going to be interactive performances with the people at Folsom. And so we have the delightful Cinnamon Maxine, Andre Schottke, Sebastian Keys, and Daisy Ducati that are going to be doing some very interesting and interactive performances as a way to get people to really engage with this idea of communicating and asking first. So um, performances start at noon. There's going to be one on the hour until 3 o'clock, so... Yeah, by 12, three o'clock, the fair is like sardines. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, and if you want to check out any um, of the details, you can go to askfirstcampaign.tumblr.com. That has all the links to um, the, like the Facebook invite that I have. That has all the details about the day of the booth. Um, and more importantly, it has a link to the Indiegogo fundraiser campaign because I'm putting a lot of work into this, but I need your help to build this. Um, I really think it's important that this is a project that our community is a part of, and it's something that we build together, um, making consent be at the forefront of what Kink and BDSM is about, I think is a wonderful community the, project to like, do together. Uh, consent culture has been, uh, I mean, just that phrase alone has been mm-hmm. a big, uh, big push in the last few years. It's something that hasn't, it's not that consent hasn't been around forever, but it's seems to have been. It sounds, it sounds like some people are building consent <laughs> without consent right now. Um, but it, it seems like it has been trying to be brought out more to the forefront that there have been too much of the oh, just sweep it aside, don't worry about it. It's you know we don't want anything bad associated with the uh, 
with the kink community. Yeah. And then there's a lot of people like, wait, no, no, no. We need this consent. You you need, you know, you can't ask for it, you can't play. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think it's that's super unfortunate that a lot of people just try to like sweep when things do happen, people sweep it under the rug. I think it speaks a lot to um, what type of community you are that, that when something um, inappropriate does happen, how we deal with it. And yeah. what, what we what are our social and cultural norms as a kink and BDSM community. And, and we are in a an area where there is no normative social script. Mm-hmm. I mean, the especially with, you know, American Western culture and America and its super prudish origins, we, you know, we push sex aside. People aren't allowed to have fun and enjoy sex. And, you know, oh, if you're, you know, sex scandals are worse than, you know, <laughs> war scandals or what, you know, yeah. uh, corruption scandals and stuff. So we have, we don't have the social script to address these vulnerabilities. You know, people put, people in the king community put themselves in a very vulnerable place as they're trying to explore themselves. They're basically, you know, instead of just being behind their picket fence and protected, they're putting themselves out there. Mm-hmm. And the consent culture, I definitely think is, is it's a great thing to, that it's starting to become almost a buzzword. It's starting to get in more in place in people's minds because, you know, when dealing with a lot of fantasy, a lot of, you know, sexual desires, you know, it's not that those are counterproductive, but some people have, you know, this is a power exchange place. You know, you're looking at exploring those fantasies, but you can't ignore the reality that this is another human being that you're playing with or multiple human beings if you're lucky enough. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, the kinky realm is a very special place, but it is not um, its own world with its own set of, like, rules and laws. Yeah, I mean, um, so I, I think that really acknowledging that consent can and really thrives in the kink community. Like consent is about communication and identifying and getting more in touch with what you want right. and learning how to ask for it and learning how to ask um, someone permission. And that like constant communication and flow I think can be a really nice tool when exploring some really intense BDSM or kink activities. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of strong emotions that get put out on the table that, you know, you may not even be aware of what's going on within yourself as you're exploring it and not being able to have the safety of going, wait a minute, this has gone too far. I need to step back. Mm-hmm. You know, because I mean, you hear a lot of the you know, the two master talk about you know, oh, I don't use safe words or what what have you, and and while I appreciate that that's the fantasy that they may want and enjoy, there's still the reality, you know, like that's the fantasy, that's the play. This is let's now play with the yeah. you know talk about the reality of it to make this so it's seamless. Absolutely, like consensual non consent is an absolute thing, mm-hmm. but the keyword is consent. <laughs> um, yeah surprisingly slash maybe not so surprisingly (laughs) i have received a couple emails and letters about people that are very upset about this campaign oh okay i to me this is so like wait a minute wow what's wrong with this campaign i know what 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 could possibly be wrong with this campaign yeah first of all what i think is beautiful about this campaign is that it is it is consent reduced down to its most simple and beautiful form Mm -hmm. ask first i'm not trying to get into any like intense di- like judgments or commentary on any 
nuances of kink or BDSM. Or how you, just, we're not saying how you play. No, this is nothing to do with how you play. It is play how, however you would love to a- ask first. That's, that's the, bo- the bottom rule. So a lot of people are very concerned that I'm trying to come to Folsom and curtail certain behaviors and change the essence of what makes Folsom this debaucherous, lovely fair. And if anyone knows me, they know <laughs> that I am a huge fan of the most depraved, disgusting, lovely... Are you a hedonist? <laughs> I, I would identify as a hedonist, just a little, just a little. Um, so I am by no means trying to change any type of behavior. Like, I hope this Folsom 2015 is the most disgusting Folsom yet. That's all I want. Um, I just want it to be safe and consensual for everyone. Um, so the people that are writing me, um, they have one thing in common and it's really surprising, but they are all, um, white cisgendered straight dudes. I am shocked, surprised, <laughs> surprised and shocked to hear this. That I'm ruining did, did they, the did fair they have to mansplain it by to you? bringing in the C word. Yes. They had to mansplain to me this, you know, um, um, this poor young thing just must not understand what BDSM and kink is about. Um, and so that was one, that was one email that I got like how dare you bring the c word like this is not you're trying to change everything like okay no I'm not I'm just trying to make everything cons- oh I mean if everything's non-consensual then yes I am trying to change everything yeah I mean you've you've already you know we've already talked about the fact that that this used to be the safe ground and you're just trying to make it safe yes that is all just ask first um another um comment that I got recently was that, well, I must not be going to real BDSM and kink events because the kink community takes consent very seriously. And I must be going to these events full of douchebags and people that just don't know what they're doing, which I don't know. I've been around the BDSM community for a little while. And I think that the Folsom Strafer is a pretty legit BDSM activity. It is Um, the biggest BDSM party i in the world, right? Yeah. In the world, yeah. Um, on top of that, I think it's incredibly problematic to say that non-consensual things can't happen um, amongst seasoned kink members or at established kink parties. Um, I think that's super a super dangerous perspective to have because people that have been practicing BDSM for 20 plus years can absolutely do things that are non-consensual. Um, so acting like you once... This isn't a video game that once you achieve... like level 10 kink there's no way that you could assault or violate or harass or rape someone that's completely false i think no matter where you are in your kink journey it's really important to kind of check and assess um how consent comes into how you play and there's there are always within play there's always the possibility of landmine you know emotional landmines that you may not have neither party be aware of but it could still push boundaries and then becomes a question of, all right, this has happened. Acknowledge that it has happened, and then how you deal with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. So I've definitely received more positive feedback than negative. I just, I would um, imagine, um, people. The community has been really receptive to the campaign, and as of right now, the campaign is fifty-one percent funded. And how long do you have left on? Um, I have a little less or, than to what date? two weeks. Yeah, it's going all the way up to the the to the twenty seventh, the day of okay. the fair. Um, so I would, yeah, I, I'm, I'm really excited. I think that the campaign is going well and I really hope that we're able to meet our goal. We're trying to raise $2,400 and that pays for the structure that goes in the booth. Um, 
some of the signs and the stickers, the tattoos, the performances, and the photographer. Excellent. Yeah. So um, I just came back from a, another very large party uh, in Atlanta, Dragon Con. It's like, you know, 60,000 people that play dress up together. Oh, nice. I love playing dress up. I mean, that's, <laughs> you know, I went to the Gatsby picnic uh, in okay. Oakland, which is another let's go play dress up. <laughs> and so I guess what I'm going is like, you get a lot of the similar um, consent issues, even in the non-BDSM context of Folsom Street Fair. And it's like, you know, like Comic-Con and Dragon Con and all, you know, these huge gathering of people where, again, you have people that put a lot of effort into their appearance to make sure they look like, you know, their fantasy, be it, you know, your leather daddy or your power girl, depending on where mm-hmm. you are in the spectrum. Um, so do you think that, you could like you know do you see more than just Folsom as absolutely the ask first campaign actually isn't specific to Folsom it kind of shines and we do a lot of our fundraising surrounding Folsom because it was inspired by some events Mm -hmm. that happened at Folsom but um it actually technically debuted at a queerly beloved party so the ask first campaign is really about consent in public spaces Mm -hmm. and what that means especially when you are entering a space that is um sexualized or has to do with like you know costume and dressing up and interacting with people like what does that mean like how does consent play into those type of things where when you're going to a party or an event you're usually like people are dressing up and wanting attention and wanting to interact and meet people so how do we incorporate asking first and making sure that Every type of event we're doing, whether it's completely kinky or a party at a club, that consent is woven through all of that. Like yeah. that th- consent should never be absent at, in any of those environments. So I'm just thinking, it's like I know you, you probably you, you I realize that the Ask First is a, a campaign is a, a labor of love. I mean, you're not doing this for any kind of profit. You're not doing this for anything more than just get this concept out to people. Yeah. Um, so what else do you do? <laughs> a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Um, so I am an adult film performer, and I am a sex worker and an activist. Um, I'm also a sexual health educator. I just graduated with my master's in public health this past May. Congratulations. Thank you very much. Um so yeah, I mean, a majority of my like business life revolves around being a sex worker here in the Bay Area. Um, I run a lovely little business that provides pleasure for people. Um, I perform in porn, and I actually just I actually just started this really amazing um, directing gig for this company called Oh Actually, um, which is a female-run company that really focuses on putting female pleasure at the forefront of their films. So I'm um, excited to get behind the camera and um, direct some magic. That's kind of a new project that I'm working on. Have you directed anything yet, or is it still just? Um, I've, I've directed and produced my own films. Mm-hmm. Um, I've made a film called The Outlaw and Seeing Red and Strange, um, and I've also directed. Those are available. Um, the out the Strange is available on um, Pink VOD. Um, I also co-directed a movie this past year with my partner, Susie Q. Um, we made a wonderful movie called Home Ants. 
and it's a pop music video love story <laughs> and it's really filthy and pretty so you should all buy it that is also <laughs> on the um pink label vod um so yeah a lot of the things that i've directed have been my own projects and visions um as well as i don't know uh, you came to our live sex shows, Come and mm -hmm. Glitter. Um, I directed those with Ava Solanas as well. I didn't realize you were the, one of the people behind Come and Glitter. Yeah, I was the, I'm the founding oh. founding mama of Come and Glitter. <laughs> <laughs> you birthed Come and Glitter. <laughs> <laughs> On the regular. <laughs> I had to, and how long, did, how long did Come and Glitter? I mean, is that still uh, like possibility to hit up again or yeah it is um we did we... about a two-year run um and it's a project that was another like project of love but also a project that was um you know creating really kind of more interesting performance opportunities for bay area performers mm -hmm. um and we are also we're it is not it is still alive it has not mm -hmm. died it has, um we have some pop-up coming glitter cafes every now and then where we provide delicious spankings and lap dances mm -hmm. and things like that at different events and parties but i would expect to see come and glitter make a resurgence we're just really focused on making it um an act of like love and it it took off in that year and a half really yeah. intensely and we wanted to keep it something fun and special and not just like pumping out shows right so we're waiting till we you did a performance at uh, dark odyssey right um that was a come and glitter performance yes that i I was unable to be there because I I was becoming an aunt. I think my sister was having a baby. <laughs> that's that's but, totally important. <laughs> I guess I directed it from afar. Because, <laughs> uh, yeah, that was the the reverse ab police abuse performance. Yes, I remember. it was that um, Quinn Cassidy did with Shay. Yeah, that was a great performance. I, I didn't actually see it, but um, we helped to like, mm -hmm. write that and make that come to life and... I've heard nothing but lovely things about it. <laughs> um, so there'll be more coming glitter soon. Yes, coming Knock soon. <laughs> coming soon. Coming glitter. Coming soon. Uh, just so much glitter after events. <laughs> yeah, um, a lot. A lot of my attention right now is going towards um, public health. Um, mm -hmm. Getting my master's degree recently was a really wonderful experience, and the focus of my studies was the health and safety of sex workers. So one of the things that I'm working on now is how to bring sex workers' rights um, into the realm of public health and have that be something that um, well, the, more than just sex worker activists are talking about. Because there's there's a uh, recent uh, great boon with Amnesty International coming yeah. in support of you know sex workers' work and these people need to be protected. Yeah, it's wonderful. All these amazing organizations are now coming on board and like getting and echoing these things we've been saying for years. So my my like final cumulative project was about how to center the voices of sex workers in all research programming and policy made about sex work. And try and, um, and I think one of the one of the things I would see would hope would be a, a thing is to separate sex work from trafficking. Yes, as those are generally glommed together, but they are totally different issues. Totally different issues. Um, it's like it's this. Yeah, it's. It, I mean, it actually comes back down to consent. Same mm -hmm. job. One is consensual. One is not. Um, yeah. So, I mean. Similar job comes back down to consent. One is consensual, one is not. Um, I think people are 
starting to kind of understand and make that separation. Um, and that's wonderful. That's really important. The discourse about sex work and decriminalization and trafficking often gets really muddy and complicated because people are talking about making programming about and making policy about this idea of sex work, but no one's really agreeing about what is sex work, what is trafficking, what is, what isn't. So I think um, making that separation is a really good place to start when we're talking about what decriminalization means, what we're talking about, what type of efforts could be going into reducing. I mean, like, you know, we, as this country has learned, should should learn, criminalization of alcohol only helped to <laughs> make it more violent and make it, you know, basically pour gasoline on the fire of consumption. Yeah, anything underground right. um, is not a safe place and, to be. <laughs> and, you know, it's like it's not, it's, it's human behavior that's not being, that's, you know, you can't, le- you're not able to legislate it away. It's not going to go away. Yeah. And, and so instead of like, you know, punishing the people that are just involved in a human behavior. Yeah. I, I mean, I think harm reduction is a really good approach to a lot of things. Um, mm-hmm. And the, when we criminalize something, it makes it more dangerous. And, and it allows, you know, more, uh, you know, it has more criminal element to fight over it because, you know, the behavior is going to happen. Question then is, you know, who can we put, make it safe for these people that are involved in it and decriminalize it or are we going to be stuck with, you know, the violence and that will, I mean, I, I believe that, you know, if we decriminalize it, that will reduce the trafficking as well because there will be a safer option and people won't have to do the resort to these, you know, more criminal enterprises as opposed to, yeah, you know, the, the more uh, coercive enterprises. Yeah, I mean it's it's a really complicated and nuanced landscape, um, sexual labor in general. And I think the more that we put sex workers at the center of that conversation, because that is commonly skipped, um, mm-hmm. the more accurate type of like resources and plans that we can do to reduce exploitation in the industry. Um, I mean, because, because we do, there, there are so many funds and money that is being uh, tunneled into like anti-trafficking organizations. Um, But a lot of those efforts really are just criminalizing sex workers. So there's a, this vicious cycle that's happening over and and over and over. And, you know, especially when you have the law that's very hypocritical. Mm-hmm. Because on one hand, you have legal sex work as long as there's a camera involved. Yeah. You know, as long as it's you're recording for a, a for an adult entertainment, it's legal. But it but as soon as you no camera, it's not legal. It's like, you know, that seems like a disconnect. Yeah. It's really interesting how having a camera there is suddenly makes it different. But I mean, actually in some states, making pornography is not legal mm-hmm. and pornography hasn't been legal for very long when, you know, Annie Sprinkle was making porn. Yeah. When she first started, uh, she was being a criminal. Um, yeah. She's going to on think, the show at some point. Okay. She said at some point we could make it work when, this fall. She's lovely. Yeah, I'm hoping there, I mean, there's a lot of, I mean, the World Health Organization and Amnesty um, coming out in support of decriminalization, I think, is huge. 
I think I, we no, are so right I on. Realize, I forgot to mention the fact that the Kink B&B, my company, uh-huh. we're going to be coming out as well in uh, support of decriminalization. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. We need. Yeah, so with the World Health Organization and Amnesty International coming out in support of decriminalization, um, I'm hoping that this is going to open some doors and really start to make some really have a more accurate discourse about what decriminalization would be like. And um, I'm really hopeful that in these next couple of years, the, there I mean, can be some serious it, change. It does feel like, you know, society is getting a lot more progressive and more accepting. I mean, you know, gay marriage, I think, is a great example of how far we've come from, you know, I would have never thought about it as, a, you know, in my teens that we would be, we'd have a president that would be, not only an advocate for it, but make it, help make it happen. And so, you know, we're getting more accepting of sexual deviance from the norm. Yeah, we are in a lot of ways. We are also so, deviant. like, so, like, puritanical at the same yeah. time. Like, our society has such an interesting relationship with sexuality that when, I think that's why sex work is such a hard thing for people to wrap their heads around. There's just, when you start talking about sex and you start talking about money, people's, like, minds seriously just melt even when they're pretty maybe liberal or progressive about a lot of other things like some lgbt issues and i don't know they might even like watch 50 shades of gray or something but like you start talking about sex work and it's like all of a sudden the worst possible scenario um so yeah again i think you know more sex workers talking about um why decriminalization would help the health their health and safety in the media um, inviting sex workers to the table when you're making programming and interventions um, right, at the no, institutional no, no, no. level. Uh, lawmakers actually involving the people that they're passing laws on for? What, I know. What a crazy thought. Like, if you're going to make a law about a hooker, why wouldn't you ask a hoe? <laughs> I don't get it. <laughs> um, very, very heady, serious stuff. But I, would, mm-hmm. I have... Uh, what do you nerd out about? Let's have some fun a little bit. What, what, what are your nerd nerdisms? What do I nerd about? Okay, so besides consent, besides consent, and um, I'm so I, I do sexual health education. Like mm. I'm a huge STI nerd. Like I know way too much about syphilis and things like that. Because it was um, like I actually just got tested. I came right from Lion Martin getting tested. Came right here to the podcast. You can see from my band aids and my Hep B shot. So mm-hmm. I definitely dork out about. Syphilis and yeah, You <laughs> mentioned uh, CQ earlier. It was yeah. on the Wicked Grounds podcast. I found out that she was a huge ElfQuest fan. Yeah. Which was... So that is where me and my partners yeah. really differentiate. Like, Because I'm, our, our I'm joke. a big ElfQuest fan. So, <laughs> so she has definitely like tried to read me ElfQuest in bed. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay. So I was... Um, I, I, everyone's going to... like The community will hate me for saying this. I was really popular in high school. <laughs> I was prom queen. And I didn't like get those like deep rooted like star wars and elf quest um jeans or something Mm -hmm. i don't know so i actually haven't even ever seen star wars and (gasps) my partner jesse james is like the biggest star wars fan in the Mm -hmm. world and um other person that i date is like star wars is their life and Susie loves star wars and star trek and elf quest and i'm just like i've never heard of any of these things the fantastical worlds <laughs> just don't grab you. They, they do, uh, just not, not, not in the same way. Like I've, I've become exposed. I'm learning to learn, and I'm like, okay, that's, 
that's a nice story about elves. Cool. I like that. <laughs> um, I was more into like teenage dramas, like um, 90210 and Degrassi junior high and things like mm-hmm. that um that that's kind of where my fantastical um entertainment was my, that's yeah, where so, i was paying attention so you don't, to you, you don't you don't have the same kind of nerd classic nerd loves that a lot of that are what, what I, I find amazing is that are the popular main pushing mainstream culture these days i mean you know superhero movies are like the, the shit yeah no, I don't. I don't have that same nerd love, but I love a lot of nerds. Yeah, I mean, it's you know the it, I, that that excitement is hard not to be. You know, the excitement in of itself is an attraction. Mm-hmm. Even if you don't, you know, haven't read you know the issue fifty two of the Avengers <laughs> to know that that's when. So you know, like you know, you don't you don't need it to appreciate the appreciation. Yes, absolutely. I mean, because any of those stories they're really about this these really um co- these intense concepts of like good versus evil and triumph and the underdog and i think those types of stories are pretty like universal mm-hmm. whether it's like you know you're reading about it in us magazine or you're seeing it on a superman show mm-hmm. like <laughs> so i i definitely like appreciate the storyline i just i don't geek out super hard about it. And so it's going back to what you do geek out about. It sounds like health issues and, and understanding. <laughs> That's your your big geek? Yeah. Right now, like, I mean, for the past years, I've been so submerged in, like, my master's degree that, like, yeah, um, any any type of, like, sexual health stuff I, I love to geek out about. And you said educator. So where do you, do you like, do you have classes and presentations? Um, do you travel to, like, conferences? So I do a lot of different things. Um, I started off um, teaching classes about consent to high school students, actually. Mm-hmm. And those um, were focused on how to um, facilitate healthy relationships and um, make sexual, and have sexual decision-making skills and agency. In high school? I, yeah. I thought they didn't teach that until you were in your they 40s. They don't, but we did, it, we did it under this guise of this is a healthy relation. I mean, it wasn't mm-hmm. a guise. Yeah, this is not a sham. But like, but yeah, sexual having accurate sexual health information at high school is really rare. Um, this program that I was working with went in, being like, we're teaching about healthy relationships, and part of having healthy relationships is talking about consent and sexual decision making skills. Whether you're, whether you're deciding not to have sex or how to have safer sex. Um, so I teach classes like that. Um, I te- can I ask yeah. what school district? Um, every high school in San Francisco. So San school district. Yeah. Nice. yeah. Well, it was a, it was a program done um, in conjunction with San Francisco City College called Expect Respect. Again, kind of underlining San Francisco and its bubble. Yeah. I, mean, I, I've, I know. I grew up in Tucson, Arizona, and that never would have flown. <laughs> yeah, I grew up in Chicago, and it might you know it might happen in Chicago. Yeah, I haven't been out of. I I went to. Yeah, like my degree is in theater, history, and education. Mm-hmm. I was going to be a high school teacher until I decided to have fun. And not, not that teaching isn't fun. It's just like, you know, I just never got through the final professional side of things. But it's like I underlined San Francisco and how San Francisco wouldn't have this program that yeah. you might not have in Tucson or you might not have in large swaths of this country. Yeah, it's, it's unfortunate. 
um, highly needed. I think when you start talking about sexual health and your sexuality and consent, when you start talking about that in college, it's far too late. Mm -hmm. And yeah, because it's especially with the acceleration of media exposure and how, you know, everyone's fighting for that more extreme, you know, things, things that are out now would have been scandalous in the 80s when I was in high school. Mm -hmm. And so there is that exposure, but all that's being exposed, people are being exposed to is the fantasy of it. You know, the, you know, here's the, the shiny fantasy now buy this car, buy this Twinkie, buy this (laughs) beer, whatever. And yeah, it's an intense time to be a young person. Um, so I think having those type of skills of, um, how to like identify and then negotiate what you want, whether that's relationship wise, um, sexually is, is an important skill set that, that has to be learned and practiced. And mm-hmm. so where are people learning and practicing these things? Um, which actually I think bringing it back to like kink stuff is a place where a lot of people can practice and, and, and um, cultivate a lot of their negotiation and consent skills. I mean, I feel like becoming a kinky person and learning how to like identify what I want and how to ask for it um, was a huge help in me learning how to negotiate all aspects of my yeah. relationships, not just the kinky parts. Yeah, and I mean, I've always said that, that uh, you know, the kinky person in general has a greater awareness of themselves because they have, they're subscribing to something that is outside the prescribed social script of norm. Mm-hmm. And so just having that, you know, one step of awareness of yourself hopefully will lead you down the road of greater awareness in general, especially, you know, dealing with other people. Yeah. When you're trying to, especially trying so. to get them to play the fantasy games with you, you know, all the sexy fun things. Yes. That's, that's all, that's all I really want. Instead of the people that, you know, just take the picket fence uh, American ideal. Here, here we go. <laughs> Unless you're into subverting that and making it really well, kinky, yeah. which is one of my favorite things. <laughs> like the uh, reverse domestic, like, you know, 50s domestic reversal. Yeah. I, I love stuff like that or just like, this idea of this, you know, white picket fence and um, it's like all American family that's really like kinky and perverted and mm-hmm. love, lovely, the, disgusting. With the dungeon in the basement. The dungeon in the basement, yeah. Which, oh, so I've been shooting a lot of Mormon porn lately. Mm. That's been another thing that keeps me pretty busy. And that's like, so I've had like Mormon fantasies for most of my adult life like this is that a culture you came from or no i grew up i did grow up with a fair amount of mormon people and i was always very fascinated by that whole thing i didn't know anyone that had like sister wives or anything Mm -hmm. cool like that (laughs) (laughs) but then like by the time like big love was on the air and like the zion ranch raids like my interest had definitely like peaked i'm like what what's what's that Sister wives, braids, oh god! Um, but this, this this idea of this like perversion of something very wholesome mm-hmm. um, is totally right up my alley. So that when I found out that there was this whole website dedicated to Mormon porn, I lost my fucking mind. So help help me understand a little bit. What exactly okay. is Mormon porn? So Mormon porn. I mean, technically Mormon porn could be anything right. about Mormons, but this, this specific 
Um, this specific site is called mormongirls.com, and it is run by two recovering Mormons who are a brother and a sister. Oh, yeah. family. Family, isn't that sweet? Um, and she runs mormongirls.com, and he runs mormonboys.com. And these are all fantasies based on actual Mormon practices. Um, and what's cool about this site is it's it's not this like kind of abs like kind of dated idea of like on the prairie with the long dresses and it's L- Little House on the Prairie porn is a different site. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like it's contemporary LDS mm. behavior. Um, so. You know, I, I, I wrote LDS? to um, Latter-day Saints, which is like the Mormon, what they, what they call the Church of the Mormons. Um, so when I found out about this website, I like wrote um, Brooke Hunter immediately. And I was just, and I don't really ever solicit porn mm-hmm. companies. You know, you want to book me? Call me. But I was just like, hi, I, I, I've been waiting my whole life to shoot <laughs> for your website, please. And then a couple weeks later, I was like on an airplane to New York City and my bag's packed. And what was interesting about my bags that were packed is usually I go to set and I have some scantily clad lingerie and some shorter dresses and high heels. But this time my bags were packed with um, all shirts and dresses that covered my shoulders and everything had to go to at least my knee. And um, I had to cover up all my tattoos and things like that. So they really do a good job of um, curating and dressing people the part so it looks really realistic and real. And you get to wear these things called Mormon whites, which are these um, like white kind of silky shirts and shorts that like go all the way to your knee. And in the Mormon religion, you wear those all the time. And they are supposed to like keep you pure and ready and to like, only have sex with your husband. You like underclothes or just night clothes? Underclothes. You, you wear them oh, yeah. all the time, day or night. Um, and, that's, and that's just for women? For men and women. Yeah. So it was a different um, wardrobe setup for sure. Mm-hmm. Like, no push up bras, but I had Mormon <laughs> whites on. <laughs> um, so that was a lot of fun. Um, we got to shoot a bunch of really amazing scenes with various different sister wives and Mormon missionaries and um, elders and all kinds of fun stuff. Like I got to learn all, a little bit more about all the lingo. Like you, when you're like doing the sex scene, you can't really say like, oh my God, or fuck, mm-hmm. that feels good. You just say, oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> they keep everything very um, clean. It's like uh, just the thought of like a Japanese porn uh, so the, there's the word uh, segoi, which is just great. You know, it's like you you know, you'd, you'd use this just the same for like you know, you know, I just won the lottery, segoi. Oh, cool. But it's then I watched you know once I learned that word, and then watching some of the Japanese porn, it's like and they're just going segoi, segoi, segoi. It's just like, <laughs> like remind made me think of the oh my goodness, oh my goodness. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Segoi, segoi, segoi. That's really funny. <laughs> Probably on your pixelated porn needs. Yeah. <laughs> you know why the, the Japanese porn is all pixelated? Isn't it illegal? Well, um, it actually comes from U.S. standards imposed upon Japan during uh, 
when you know post-war uh u.s control and uh, basically it's following the letter of the law to try and prevent porn because mm. it basically said you're not allowed to show any of the pubic hair oh and so they pixelated it <laughs> and that's why all the japanese porn is pixelated because because of u.s purity uh, pr- uh prudism oh goddamn u.s prudism mm. ruins everything especially japanese porn well there's um I, I'm a big fan of hats. I don't know if you notice. If you, you, you know, I have seen you in some very dapper hats well, in your you. day. And I used to have a thing that's like, you know, John F. Kennedy is the U.S. president and fashion standard who kind of took the hat out of American necessity or American male fashion necessity. You know, you didn't need to wear hats because the president didn't wear a hat anymore. Hmm. And I used to be like all angry at him because. <laughs> You know, I, I like hats and how dare, you know, you took the hat away from... I love picturing you like in your bedroom, like fuming at JFK. God damn but, you, taking hats away. But then I had the realization of, would I be so affectionate towards the hat if they were still a social norm and everyone wore them and it would be just, you know, just another article of clothing? Yeah. So by taking them out of the standard and JFK actually made the hat special to me. And so I... I, I there was scarcity. The, the, the fuming... You have a scarcity fetish. <laughs> yes. So, you know, the, the fuming at JFK is like, oh, no, no, I'm sorry. You actually probably did, you know, you, you did this just for me, I know. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but that whole concept of like, I like it because it's scarce or because it's, you know, a nice nod to the old fashioned, that I, you know, I kind of, that style that I kind of like, yeah. that's not every day. I'm just wondering if that has a lot to do with, uh, you know, the, the American prudism affecting porn, making a scarcity and making a, you know, we have interest in, in this because it's scarce and it's a little naughty and it's a little outside. And, you know, you know that whole like, oh, it, we've been told it's bad and naughty, so it's got to be good. So it helps the taboo. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's real. Like, what if we could get pornography at every Walgreens? mm I mean, if you've got your phone, <laughs> that's another th- weird. Yeah, I mean, actually, that's a pretty good example that, of how porn has kind of become unscarce by the internet. Yeah. Unscarce? Is that a word? Yeah. Um, well, we're, de-scarcitized. De-scarcitized. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Um, Everyone's always messing up with English anyways. <laughs> like, I, I taught English in Japan, and uh-huh. I would, you know, I'd hold up, you know, like two inches of, this is the stack of rules of English. It's nice and easy. Then the one foot, this is the stack of exceptions you need to learn to be able to speak English properly. I know. Like, why do we spell knife with a K? I'll never quite understand. <laughs> I, <laughs> I can't explain English. I could just tell you how to use it. But yeah, um, you know, the internet has, you know, the internet is for porn. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wicked Grounds today, the uh, tip jar is the, you know, they have the voting tip jar where you put into either tip for one thing or another. You know, sometimes it's JF, uh, you know, superhero versus superhero. But today it was cats versus porn. What's the internet for? Uh, ooh, that's hard. I mean, I know porn is my job, but I think I use the internet more for cats. <laughs> well, I, I did notice the honest. first thing you did when we sat down and we were setting up, you took a picture of the, the bunker cat. I did. I <laughs> I love That's cats. Horrible. I might be half cat. Meow. 
I mean, you know, I'm Psycho Kitty here. I, yeah, I, I know you're a cat fan just by your name. <laughs> I, I, am, I think on my Twitter bio, it says that I'm a porn cat. Mm. I, I always say that uh, human with feline delusions. <laughs> I like that. I'd, I'd sign up for that. <laughs> Do you have feline delusions too? Every, Should we start a support day, group? Every day. Every day. I have so much feline delusions. Yeah, I actually do a support group. Um, one of the events I help run, ShibariCon, which is in uh-huh. Chicago, for the last five years, I've been holding a, a kitty party at, oh, where nice. I take one of the dungeon rooms and you know pull in some couches and put some stuff on the floor, and then we you know like like yarn. Oh, it started off because somebody said I've got nine miles of rope, and so we had giant yarn for the kid, kitties to play with, and you know laser pointers and. And I get about a dozen kitties to come out and play and people to play with them. That's nice. I like that. I would be in that room if I was there. Mm. <laughs> Getting your cat on. I like uh, my favorite cat activities are making biscuits mm. um, and scratching because I have cat. I, you can't see them on the radio, but pointy cat claws. Do a quick. You can almost hear that. Okay. Um. Maybe. Meowing, purring. Well, I, I found meowing is a very useful thing because there's a you, we mean we meet a lot of people and sometimes you can't just pull their name right away when you're talking with them and say meow how are you? Yeah. Oh, meow is like meow can mean anything. It can be someone's mm-hmm. name. It can be like a verb. Like I use meow in conversation all the time. Oh, but just, like half my friends, like if I, like if very affectionately, like oh hi meow. Yeah, we've just exposed the meow secrets. So if I call you meow, I might know your name. But I might not, so. But it's still, I, I, I like you enough to meow it. <laughs> yeah, it's a meow of affection. Mm-hmm. You're welcome. <laughs> uh, oh, but so going back to uh, explosion of porn, mm-hmm. um, where it's, you know, every, everyone has a device in their pocket to summon up all the internet's worth of porn that they want. And going back to what I was saying about, you know, where... It's very easy to find the fantasy of sex. It's very easy to find the glamour and, you know, projection of desire without the reality of it. Mm-hmm. And just, you know, going back to the whole, you know, necessity for campaigns like Ask First and the consent is that, you know, we have, you know, this next generation that's coming up or this, you know, generation and a half that are coming up that have had so much internet exposure, so much like, you know, click, 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 and they find whatever they want, you know, and very little of it, very, you know, like, it's it's not sexy to go for reality. It's not, you know, like, so, you know, we follow the, you know, water follows the easiest path, and the easiest path in sexuality right now is to find the porn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think a lot of times people, as someone who has, you know, porn fans and Web, I webcammed for a very long time. Um, I think sometimes people find they, they're focused just on that fantasy, but often the their actual sex life isn't as fulfilling. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like one of the really interesting things about my job is, um, like my client based work is really getting a front seat into what people's like actual fantasies and fetishes are. Um, whether that's through client work or webcamming or just, you know, having conversations with people on the internet about things like that, being an educator and whatnot. Um, 
but what people really seem to want is to like manifest that in their actual life. And that's really hard for a lot of people. Like sometimes they focus so much just on the fantasy that they, but they don't really know how to manifest that to right. really get a satisfying sex life. Like whether it's that they have some really intense like kink or just like good sex. Like a lot of people just don't know how to get that. Um, and because it's not part of the, our social script. Yeah, it's not. It's not. I mean, and I think it's it, it's all tied in with like you know, sex education and how we communicate about like how, is sex an important thing in, in our society? Like we don't talk about it until everyone's like an adult, and then mm-hmm. by then they've already figured out. You how- already have learned a lot of like bad behaviors or like to not talk or not ask, and then non-consensual yeah. things happen, or you just like. Don't ask for these things that you actually maybe want and you don't have a very, you know, you alive, the, satisfying. Yeah, you don't have the vocabulary life. to ask. Yeah. So without having that um without having that, you know, vocabulary to ask, you you have a lot of people that go unfulfilled. They don't get what they want and then they get angry about it and that kind of feeds into the sex negativity. <laughs> I used to teach English too. <laughs> Um, that feeds into the sex neg- negativity and then it's, you know, they, you know, you get into that fantasy fulfillment is such a far from reality that, you know, reality sucks. Yeah. When in re- in reality, <laughs> um, fulfilling your fantasies isn't this magical, mystical thing that only you and I have the power to do or grant right. you. Um, doesn't ha- as, isn't as Dorothy Gale happens- would say, we've, you know, doesn't have just the ability the all along. <laughs> yeah. Um, and with, with a little bit of just, you know, reflection and communication and exploration, you could actually have a pretty cool hot sex life. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think this, this ask first campaign could even be applied to stuff like that. Like it, it's about asking, it's about starting that communication and that dialogue. So things are consensual, but so, Everything's up on the table. Up on the table, but like, like, at, like just the idea of asking. Like a lot of people go their whole lives without asking for what they want. Mm-hmm. So Again, a- ask for it, but tr- try. Yeah. I mean, we have, you know, we do have a great fear of rejection built into our social script. Yeah. You know, and there's a lot of stigma and shame attached yeah. to. It's like, you know, if I ask for this particular thing that you might view, think is think less of me for because I find that sexy. Yeah. But... You know, that's why there's professionals yeah. <laughs> to help guide you in becoming more comfortable with the things that you desire and want. Unfortunately, not, people don't access, you know, like there is, a, you know, I think we have a very strong privilege of being within the sex community bubble and, you know, having taught people in different veils, veils, uh, different levels of Hey, sex is fun. Here's ways to play that can, you can incru- improve, and you know mm-hmm. that a lot of people just don't have access to. And you know, so like I, I absolutely admit, sitting, you know, I I have the great privilege. I'm, you know, my parents know about what I did with the Wicked Grounds Cafe and know what I'm doing with Kink B and B, and you know, they've even like uh, supported different campaigns that I've put together. Oh, so like, I have you know, great supporting parents. And so I have the privilege to be very much out about, hey, sex is good. It's okay to have sex. <laughs> have fun. <laughs> but, um, 
even that concept is very hard, I think, in this society, considering, you know, we have, com- we have a uh, cultural debate about climate change, being real or not. <laughs> and yet, something as personal as sex isn't, you know, is, you know how can we have, you know, we're still having problems with this, so how can we have problems with, you know, how can we even address these even more intimate issues? I know. It's pretty crazy. Yeah. And I don't, I don't know exactly what the answer is. I mean, yeah. I mean, I think having better sex education, mm-hmm. having sex being talked about is not just this thing that we need to prevent disease about, but like sex is something that's like fun and enjoyable. I think that's a good conversation that people that like as a culture, we need to start talking about. Um, and we are doing, I mean, we are doing something about it. Yeah. yeah I mean, this, we're right now we're, we're doing that. Exactly. We're doing the, this podcast. Exactly. Um, yeah. And yeah, and, I think. And earning my, our explicit label. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> how many times do we have to say fuck to get that label? I don't fucking know. Fuck. I can't remember how many times we have to say fuck so we can get a really fucking cool explicit label. There. I think we just met the, met the quota. That's enough fucking for you. <laughs> Who said never? <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes you get you get, you get sore. Sometimes you, you need a, the 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 break till till the next time. It's real. It's real. <laughs> um, yeah, American culture. Mm. I, I I I know if for people that have listened to the Wicked Grounds podcast and this podcast, I do harp on that a little bit, but. It's also the culture that I'm in where I'm trying to push it towards where I sit to sit, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. It's like I've been very much on a soapbox in my life, you know, especially in the last six years of what, I, what I've done in San Francisco and trying to be very a public advocate and, and you know, providing a safe space to be sexually, uh, to explore your sexual identity socially. Mm-hmm. That's another thing we don't do is, yeah. you, know, I, you know, there's sex parties, but those are scary to a lot of people. Yeah. There's, you know, leather bars, but those that can be very intimidating. So where does one go to sexually be social? Yeah. No, that's important. Creating that safe space is, I think, crucial because there are just so many stereotypes and misconceptions mm-hmm. and worries that, like, what happens in the kink or BSM community is scary or non-consensual or... Or even, you know, you know swinger community or, you know, there's yeah. all... There's a lot of communities that that sex in one way or another is their focus and that's a little bit step outside the social skip script provided to the average picket fence American um, that need you know need places to to socialize more than just the internet. I mean the internet is great for it. Mm-hmm. I mean I remember you know before the internet if you didn't if you didn't know about a party you just didn't go. Now it's like everyone's on the internet, come to our parties. We have sexy stuff going on. Yeah, no, that's been a great way to share this type of information. But it is really nice to get off of the computer and have it, like like we were saying, like come into actuality and something you can touch and taste and feel. Just, you know, hearing other people's stories about, you know, hey, I'm into this too. Just having somebody else say, hey, I'm into the same thing you're into, even if we're not playing together. You know, we may not be the sexual appetite of each other, but we're still advocates for each other because we still, like, prove that you're not weird and alone. Well, you may be weird, but <laughs> you're not alone. <laughs> yeah, I think that camaraderie and that mirroring um, is really important. 
So is that helicopter up there? Uh, life in the city. <laughs> well, uh, so we're getting towards the end of uh, the chat. It's, it's been lovely having you over. Thank you so much for having uh, me. My pleasure. Uh, is there any, uh, let's, you know, the uh, Ask First uh, on the web? Yeah. Tell us again where you can find Ask First on the web and other places that we can find you. Um, so my main hub is MaxineHolloway.com. Um, best place probably to find me is on Twitter. That's where you'll see um, links to the Ask First um, fundraising campaign. Um, you'll find, you'll be up to date on all of the you know mischief and mayhem that I commit on a regular basis. So <laughs> Twitter's great. Um, you can find me on Facebook. Everything is under Maxine Holloway. Um, you can go directly to the askfirstcampaign.tumblr.com um, and you can even submit photos or stories um, of your own experiences with consent in public spaces. So and if, I definitely invite you to check that out. And if like people have events elsewhere in the country or in the world, they could, could they reach out to you and say, Hey, absolutely. I'm not stickers. trying to like, um, keep ask first to myself. My <laughs> goal is to get it all over the you want to ask first all over. <laughs> I want to ask first everywhere. Um, yeah, I actually just got an email this morning from the leather title holder in Canada nice. who went, who's, um, interested in taking the ask first campaign up there. So now we are an international campaign. Excellent. It's so exciting. Um, so yes, so part of what I do is um, if, if you are interested in having stickers at your event, whether it is a party or a kinky event or How or you, just at your house. Um, cosplay event. Cosplay event, absolutely, yeah. please. Um, contact me. I would love to help you. If you don't have the funds to print the stickers yourself, I would love to help you fundraise for that. Um, I, would, I will email you the um, PDF file so you can print your own stickers. I will do anything to help get ask first stickers as to out as all over to every party that I can possibly um, get my stickers on. So please email me. Um, all my info is very accessible on the web. All right. Well, thank you very much for coming by today. Thank you for having me. Meow, meow. Meow. <laughs> <laughs>